Hello and welcome to another episode of Chilling with Charlie. Today I have with me a big data ball team who you might have read some previous work on their website Model 284. We're here to discuss the big data ball entry, a bit about themselves and their next steps. Thank you for joining me today everyone. Thank you everyone for joining me on Chilling with Charlie. I guess to kick things off with, why don't we go through all of our guests? So who would like to kick us off first? My name is Sam Walzak, one of the four guys on the team from the Big Data Bowl this year. Mark Richards here, another member of our Big Data Bowl team. Jack Werner also worked on the team. My name is Wei Pen. I'm one of the team members of the Big Data Bowl. Let's just start off with Sam. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? What got you into NFL analytics and what drove you to enter the big data bowl with this team? Yeah, for sure. I've always been sports and math have been two huge components of my life as far back as I can remember. So tying them together, you know, over the last half of my life has been a lot of fun. So I think the collection of people on the call here, we've actually worked together on various sports analytics projects together over the years. And we started a website called Model 284, where we posted a lot of the work that we did together. It's actually kind of a funny story, so I'll try to tell it quickly here. But Mark, Jack, and I went to St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota together. And while we were there, this was kind of my initial entry into the sports analytics world was I built a model to predict March Madness, which is the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And it was always my favorite sporting event. So when I was in college, I built a model to try to predict it. And the first year that I applied the model to kind of a new tournament was 2014. And so sitting there, churning the model and seeing what it predicts for the tournament that year, it was spitting out UConn as the champion. And at the time, they were a seven seed. They were 100 to one to win the tournament. No one was talking about them. They had just lost in their conference tournament. So, you know, I'm thinking that something's broken with the model or I screwed something up. I'm frantically checking everything. But for those college basketball fans, you'll know that UConn actually ended up winning the tournament that year obviously as a huge underdog. So that, that kind of got me hook, line, and sinker into sports analytics. And from there, you know, we've worked on various projects together over the years, some basketball stuff, some football stuff, some hockey stuff, a little bit of baseball too. The big data bowl, I'll maybe turn it over to Mark here shortly because he kind of QB'd this project for us. But We've seen the big data bowls in the past, and obviously there's really cool stuff happening with all of them every year through the NFL and with Michael Lopez kind of taking the, the helm on the analytics side of things there. So Mark kind of got this group together and decided that we should make a formal entry and try to spend some time with our submission this year. So Mark, I'll kick it over to you. I can give a quick background on myself first and then talk about our big data bowl group a little bit more. But so as Sam kind of mentioned, Jack, Sam and I went to St. Olaf College as an undergraduate and I actually played hockey while I was there. I didn't go in with any real interest in being math and stats and ran into Sam after being required to take kind of calculus and stuff. And we kind of had common interests in sports. And that's kind of how we all got connected through St. Olaf. And then 
after I left St. Olaf, I went to work at a reinsurance company, which is actually what Sam does as, as well. And we work on kind of modeling natural disasters. And I enjoyed that, but I had a strong academic interest and really like statistics and working on sports analytics in our free time. And so I went back to school and I'm now currently a PhD student in statistics at the University of Pittsburgh. So I'm a, a couple years into my PhD and that's where I met Wei, who is also, as he'll tell you, a PhD student in statistics at Pittsburgh. And so while we were there, I kind of tricked Wei into watching the Super Bowl because I invited a 2012 Super Bowl. I invited our department over to watch and a lot of them are international students, so they hadn't seen American football before. And so that's where I kind of piqued his interest in working on kind of sports analytics and getting involved with Sam, Jack, and I. And so that's kind of how the group kind of came together, I would say. Wei, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Mark and I are both PhD students in statistics at the University of Pittsburgh. I learned that they have a website called Model 2A4, and Mark has done a lot of great work in sports analytics. But I'm not a fan of football. Actually, I'm a true fan of soccer. I usually spend my Saturday watching soccer games or playing soccer with my friends. So I became interested in football after the night that being invited for 2020 Super Bowl party at Mark's home. So then I think I got interested in football and then I'm excited to participate in this data competition with these guys because I know they already have done great work in sports analytics. And lastly, Jack? Sure. So I've always been sort of interested in sports and numbers. I remember being in Little League and borrowing the our team's scorebook from my dad, who was the coach, to go through and, you know, calculate batting averages and that sort of thing. And, you know, as I kind of to high school and college and learned more about math and stats, you know, had more ways in which I could apply those two different sports. And so, you know, there I met Sam and Mark and since you worked on different projects, baseball is still, you know, my favorite, but it's fun to bounce around too. Worked in basketball, worked in football now. You know, I even tried my hand at a curling win probability model for the last Olympics. And so I, you know, really wherever there's there's data, I, I enjoy exploring. All right. So it started off with 284. Can someone explain to me the name? So I mentioned we we're all at St. Olaf together and the story with the UConn NCAA tournament, there's actually a room in the math building at St. Olaf that we used to study in. And that, that room was number 284. So I was in that room when I ran that UConn model. And that was always our favorite room. And we did a lot of work there over the years. So that kind of spurred the name for model 284. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so you three were working together and then Mark's met way. So how did the big data ball entry come about? Sam and Jack and I have just kind of gotten busy with things over time. So we haven't really posted to our informal blog of Model 284 in a while or had a lot of time to work on projects as we are all kind of busy with various things. And we decided we kind of just have to make time to work on projects like this. So unfortunately, Wei and I, because of COVID, maybe one of the only positive things is we got a longer winter break. We saw that there would be some extra time where we'd actually be able to put in the work that we could work on it. So 
I think I reached out to Sam and Jack as we kind of always stay in, in contact. And I was like, Hey, this year we should, we should actually like try to do a submission kind of well before the, it was actually released. And then I had talked to Wei throughout our department a bunch and, you know, said we should do a Kaggle competition or we should do some sports analytics stuff. So, you know, it kind of all came together. We just touched base and then we started just met once it got released. We met weekly via Zoom and that's about it, I think. How did this idea for your project come about? So can someone give us a quick recap on your submission? And then how did you guys come to that idea as what you wanted to do? Just a quick background on the data bowl as a whole. This year, the competition provided some different data, but mostly tracking data for pass plays. So tracking the defense and then the quarterback wide receivers. And the prompt was pretty open-ended, but basically saying, you know, take this data, focus on pass coverage and come up with something cool. And so in our project, the approach we took started with building out a framework for thinking about the problem, you know, because this tracking data is so open-ended, you know, half the battle is just figuring out how to get your hands around it. And so the framework we came up with was to break the problem into three steps. First, identify for each defender whether they were in man coverage or zone coverage. Second, define for each player who their assignment was or which offensive player they were supposed to be covering. And then once those two things are out of the way, the last step was, you know, coming out up with some different metrics and measurements to be able to evaluate players. That's broad strokes, kind of what we did. I I don't know, someone else wants to jump in on some more of the specifics. So from there, I think to just add to Jack's point, what we're trying to do is just explain what were the defenders supposed to be doing on the play. And I think that was probably the biggest challenge that we saw at first and we probably spent the most amount of time of our work working on. And so it was figuring out kind of who a defender was responsible for at each frame of a play. And as you can imagine, as the play goes on, that that really varies. So if they're in man coverage versus zone, that's kind of easy to define and who they would cover varies by coverage type. And so we kind of broke it down in that fashion to first kind of explain what they were doing or what they were supposed to be doing and who they were covering. And then ultimately from there, we can kind of build off a lot of the research that's already been done. That is about evaluating kind of receivers and how open they are and completion probability and stuff like that. And because we have who the defender is that's covering that receiver, you can kind of start to build out defensive metrics from there. So I don't know if Wei wants to talk a little bit more about the specifics of our model. I know that your model can take into account players covering different players throughout a play. Who had that really cool idea? I think we have the tracking data. So we have the position, orientation, like direction of the offensive players and the defensive players. So, and we want to know the defensive assignment, which is hidden. Then it's very natural to consider. Uh, very classical model called hidden input output hidden mark chain and where I can put the information of the offensive player as the input sequence, the information of the defensive players as the output sequence, and what the hidden sequence is just the defensive assignment. I think this is very natural to have this idea. And what left is just a matter of how to 
specify the structure of this model. As fans of sport, when you're running these models, you might look up certain memorable plays. Was there anything that, was there any play in particular that you guys looked at to really get a sense of how this was going to pan out? Honestly, I I can't say that there was a particular play. We kind of dealt with a lot of the just week one data to start by nature. And so we dealt with a lot of just the first game of the 2018 NFL season. But we looked at so many different plays so that we could kind of evaluate, especially in the model way is outlining where we're trying to figure out who people are covering. And at each frame, we need to kind of see if that's right. And we don't really have a correct response here. So it really just took a lot of shuffling of a bunch of different plays. But Sam, Jack, and I are Vikings fans. So we probably pulled out quite a few Vikings plays for fun. But I can't say that there maybe was one in particular for me, at least. Was it interesting looking at the plays from an analytics point of view as Vikings fans? And is there anything in particular that's maybe stood out to you? You know, as Vikings fans, pausing for a second, actually. So the data that they supplied for the competition was actually from the 2018 NFL regular season. So it's a little bit old. But at any rate, the Vikings have a a cornerback named Xavier Rhodes. Well, used to have a cornerback named Xavier Rhodes, who was very good early in his career, but became a little bit of a polarizing player. And I think in 2016 and 17, he was pretty highly rated by pro football focus amongst others. And in 2018, he actually fell off a decent amount. And so this was the year where the data that we had for the big data bowl was for the season where Xavier Rhodes fell off. So it was interesting to look at him a little bit and just see, you know, being a Vikings fan and watching him get burned week after week, it was interesting to see if the data kind of supported our narrative that we have of him in our heads. And did the data support that narrative? He actually came out a little better than I would have expected him to. So we're still working to kind of finalize what the output of our model looks like. So if you've read our submission, towards the end, we suggest a number of metrics that can be used ultimately to quantify defensive back performance. But just thinking about how broad of a topic that is, you know, are you playing in man coverage? Are you playing in zone coverage? Are you trying to be really close to the receiver before the ball is being thrown or after the ball is being thrown? And there's there's a lot of different ways you can slice it. But just kind of crudely averaging over all of our new metrics that we've created Xavier Rhodes was kind of in the the 75th percentile of cornerbacks in man coverage, which was better than I would have expected at least. Yeah, that's that's very cool. So once you've sorted, you've come up with this nice method for looking at defensive assignments, and then you mentioned you leveraged off a lot of other people's work. Can someone talk us through that? So after we assigned kind of who a player was on the defense was supposed to be covering at kind of each frame of the play. We built off work done by so a number of folks, but Brian Burke at ESPN, Ron Yerko, he's at CMU, 
and Catherine Evans, among others. And they've kind of built out a framework for evaluating kind of continuous time in a play. How we break it down is that on a single play, kind of a quarterback can has some probability of throwing it to a receiver at each frame. And then given that the receiver was targeted, there's some sort of hypothetical completion probability. And then from there, you can kind of see, okay, if they caught it, how many yards would they have likely gained given the positioning of the defenders? And then from there, hopefully you can kind of get to the golden nugget of inferring, kind of taking into the play context and getting kind of an expected points added. We implemented and kind of with some maybe altercations, a lot of their methodologies so that we could assess, okay, if the quarterback threw it to the receiver that this defender was covering, kind of what was the probability of completion? And then you could, you know, for that example, you could kind of see if they prevented a completion, you might consider that to be good ball skills. You could look at targets and kind of a a wide variety of metrics based on who the defender was covering at each frame. I'll give another example too. Earlier in the process, when we were trying to just identify man coverage versus zone coverage, we were, you know, working off of some work done by Ron Yurko, as well as some collaborators of his, that used cluster analysis to identify man versus zone, which I thought was a very cool concept. And the idea behind it was for each player on each given play, you know, you can look at a number of different variables that you might expect to give some hint as to man coverage or zone coverage. For example, on average, how far away were they from their nearest offensive player? Or how much did they move on a given play? Did they move a lot laterally or did they stay in the same spot? Or orientation-wise, were they facing the line of scrimmage or facing away? And when you collect all of these data points and you have them for every player on every play, you can start to put those into clusters and you know, if you then take a look at some of the individual plays, those clusters sort of seem to be, you know, breaking things into man coverage versus zone coverage. And so that's an approach that was proposed in that paper that we took and, and tweaked and added some added some more variables and tried some different clustering methods and incorporated into our work. Something that was mentioned a bit earlier was that it's kind of hard to assess how well the model is going right because you never really know what the coverage was you know in building out this sort of like end-to-end work how are you guys assessing that your work's going okay that you are tracking along and that it is quite useful i think one thing that's fairly easy kind of gut check for this stuff at least is to look at some of the metrics that were the output of our models and see if that kind of passes what your intuition would be. So I mentioned Xavier Rhodes earlier, but Stefan Gilmore and Marlon Humphrey are two kind of perennial all pro cornerbacks that grade very well in our metrics. And, you know, they also get acclimation from pro football focus and all pro and just from more film analysts as well. So I would say, just looking at players on the high and low end of the spectrum and see if their place in our rankings kind of fall in line with the public's perception of them. That's very good. So as a whole, most players, I guess, did fall within this realm of where you expect them to fall with your intuition and 
looking at other people's work. Were there some players who didn't quite fit your previous narrative, apart from Xavier Rhodes? I'm certainly a giant NFL fan, but I wouldn't pretend to be, you know, the greatest secondary analyst of all time. So I'm probably not qualified to answer that question. But I did notice Marcus Peters was someone who ranked very low in our man coverage metrics. And he's kind of a perennial gamble corner. So he'll, he'll, he'll have some big interception returns every year, but he'll also get beat for touchdowns multiple times every year too. He kind of draws mixed opinions from the public, but he ranked very poorly in our model. So that would probably be one where we would want to dig in a little bit more and understand you know, why it is that he's ranking so low when some people might argue that he's a better cornerback. This is a question for Wei. I guess so you weren't really a fan of uh, American football till I guess Mark's dragged you along to watch it. How did you find this whole process? It must be quite interesting, but also you must be really pleased with how well this has gone. After watching the game with Mark, I found that uh, you know, football is very different from other sports like soccer because the football you have many many plays and for each play you just the quarterback just throw the ball and then the defense team try to make that not happen. So I think the the characteristics of the, this game is relatively simpler than other games. I think it's easier to model. Yeah, that's very cool. What about Jack? So. 284 is a pretty big website. Apart from the big data bowl stuff, what has been your favorite project together with everyone? That's a good question. You know, there are a number of projects I've really enjoyed. As I mentioned, my favorite sport to work on is baseball. And so I've done some different projects looking at pitchers, you know, trying to cluster and cluster different different pitchers or try to identify which are the most predictable or unpredictable and which pitches they're going to throw. The other projects I've enjoyed, you know, I've, I've worked a fair amount with Mark on projects relating to basketball. So, you know, especially when it comes to the NBA draft, trying to predict, you know, who is going to be the best player coming into the NBA and you know, doing a similarity score project as well, trying to identify, you know, for these young incoming players who they're most like in the N- NBA already. So th- those are just a few of the projects that I've really enjoyed as a part of Model 284. Yeah, very, very cool. On your Kaggle submission, you guys mentioned that there are some sort of next steps for your project. How is that going? And since submission, have you had any further ideas? Well, I think right now we're just kind of preparing to present for the finals, which is kind of a tough task. I don't know if people know, but there's only it's only a five-minute presentation, which I find to be harder to condense things and then if you have kind of a longer time to thoroughly explain everything. So we're trying to create maybe some, you know, more easily visuals that can kind of get our point across to a wider audience. But after that's over, I think, you know, hopefully we'd like to extend a few areas a bit further and maybe turn this into a paper of sorts. And so a couple of those areas would be kind of model refinement. And so I think with our defensive assignments, input-output, hidden markoff model, there's a lot of potential to maybe improve upon that. For instance, we included quarterbacks in the players that 
defenders could be covering and there could be an argument made to remove those players as an example. And there's probably another other areas that we could improve upon in terms of defensive assignment. And then as Sam kind of alluded to earlier, we've still kind of been toying around with improving the evaluation metrics and figuring out definitely there's probably a few more that we could come up with that maybe do a better job of explaining certain skill sets. And then obviously everybody wants to come up with some sort of rankings of performances for players. So figuring out a good weighting of different metrics to really evaluate defensive players would be some of the next steps that we've discussed. That's an interesting problem you mentioned trying to get through such a dense project in a few minutes. How do you guys tackle that? So what would you like to be the main takeaway in the five minutes from the panel of judges? So we're still, I think we've gotten a little bit of instruction from the NFL as far as next steps in our presentation. It's not completely clear yet what the full kind of presentation will entail. I think the five minute piece is just going to be a part of the larger big data bowl production that they do. And then separately, we'll have kind of a, a Q&A session with their judges. So we're thinking right now that the five-minute presentation would just be more kind of high-level overview to the public that may be more, more geared toward the average football fan as opposed to you know, getting down in the weeds on what our model is doing. So I think... You know, every fan wants the rankings, as Mark already alluded to. So we'll probably highlight kind of some of the outliers in our model as far as really strong performance and then try to just give a high-level overview of the methods that we use to get there. Yeah, and I would also say each of us worked on different parts of this project, and so we may have somewhat different answers. But for me, I think the main takeaway from the project, as I see it, is just having that big-picture overview of how to approach the topic and how we broke it down into different steps, I think starting there is pretty valuable. And in the details in each of those steps, you know, there are some, some cool things that went on, but you know, if there's one main takeaway, I think the overall framework is, is a valuable one. Something that I don't think gets talked about a lot is how successful teams work together. So how did you guys work successfully together to make it so far, given, I think, People are in different states. Obviously, there's all this COVID sort of weirdness going on. How are you guys able to manage to work so successfully together? I can start and maybe others feel free to chime in. But like Mark said, you know, life, life is busy. So we, we realized that if we wanted to take it seriously, we decided that we should just set aside a time to meet every week. So we had kind of regular me- weekly meetings and then after the meetings, we would kind of divvy up next steps and I would work on this or Mark would work on that. As Mark mentioned, I think him and Way had a, a nice extended spring break. I guess backtracking a little bit here, I didn't mention in my introduction, but so I I work for a company called Holborn Corporation, which is a, a reinsurance brokerage firm. So having that going on full time, and then I'm also in the data science program, the data science master's program at the University of Minnesota. So having that full time, I definitely, I definitely was not the heaviest contributor amongst us four. But I think really just having the weekly time set aside to meet with each other and keep us on track 
as well as kind of divvying things up as Jack alluded to and each having our parts that would be quarterback was helpful in keeping us moving along. I think for our team, it's very important that we have the ability to translate ideas into code efficiently. And also, Mark wrote uh, the first version of the report just two weeks before the deadline. So it works as the baseline. And uh, then we just make progress and improve the model based on the first version. So I think we have uh, we schedule the time uh, very well. What do you want to do next for everyone? I think, you know, something that comes to mind as far as this analysis is concerned, I mentioned that we only got the 2018 season to analyze. I think to the extent that the NFL would share more of the, the player tracking data, I think it would be really interesting and beneficial to the model to have a larger sample of plays to have the model learn from. I think it's a particularly interesting issue for secondary play because I know pro football focus has talked about this a lot, but cornerback play is much more volatile from year to year than other positions. So there'll be individual players and also defensive secondary units that for whatever reason, you just don't see the consistency from year to year that you do for a quarterback or a wide receiver. So it would be interesting to see if, you know, having these rankings for the 2018 season, how predictive would that be for the rankings in the 2019 season or or moving forward? So I think that's one area where my mind goes if you're able to get some more data to kind of dig into this a little bit further. You know, for me, I don't know that I have such specific plans since we're, we're pretty focused on trying to put together this presentation. But one takeaway that I had was, I really enjoyed the opportunity to work with spatial data or the tracking data. You know, this is really my first experience with extended work with this type of data. And it's, it's really interesting and it's, you know, challenging in a way that some of the stuff I've worked for in the past is less so, you know, there's maybe more room for creativity in how you go about analyzing it. And so, you know, if the opportunity presents itself to work with this type of spatial data in the future, I would love to do it. Yeah, cool. Wayan, Mark, what, what's, maybe you can wrap us up. But So what's the best way for people to reach out to everyone, talk about not only your big data bowl entry, but, you know, 284 or maybe your PhD work? So, yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet very much. I don't think any of us do. And I don't think Way even has a Twitter. But, yeah, it's just Mark Richards 284. You can always feel free to reach out. I think that for us, we, especially because me in particular being in academia, I'm a big proponent of kind of reproducible research. So if anybody ever is interested in, in taking what we're doing and improving it, we have all the code sitting out there available on GitHub. And yeah, so you can reach, I guess, on Twitter. Why? What's the best way to reach out to you? Actually, I just formally joined Model 284 yesterday. So I think people can reach me through the website. Cool. Well, thank you everyone for taking the time out to come on the podcast today. I had a lot of fun and I hope everyone else did as well. Thanks for having us. This was great. This is fun. Thank Thank you. you.